Your hair looks like milk. It looks like milk. Can I drink you? Welcome to episode 9 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Derek Heemsbergen, Embryon on the Boards, and I am joined today, as always, by my fine co-host, Stephen Myring, Talus on the Boards, and we are joined with our favorite guest, Kyle. That's Kyle. He's Kyle. That's a very humble introduction, Kyle. (laughs) Kyle E. Miller is our managing editor. He is our illustrious leader. He's like Optimus Prime. No, I think that's John. No, John, John's like Bumblebee. (laughs) Yeah, so Kyle's pretty awesome. He's here with us today. So as many of you have pointed out, we tend to feature a lot of Japanese music on this podcast because it's what a lot of us grew up with. But there is a ton of... Yeah, Kyle, shut up! Get out of here. But there is a lot of excellent music in Western RPGs that goes underrepresented. So today's theme is Wild Wild West. We have Western game themes. So we're going to discuss some of our favorites from stuff that's recent, like The Witcher 2, some Japanese-style games developed in the West, like Black Sigil and Shadow Madness, and other stuff like that. I don't want to give too much away. But before we do that, as always, we're going to start by talking about some of our recently reviewed albums on the site. The first one is one that I reviewed. It's from Shin Megami Tensei 4, the music collection disc that came with the game. And this track is called SDDS4, composed by Ryota Koduka. And it's awesome. And it's awesome. It's crunchy and dark and gritty, and you should listen to it. So we're going to listen right now. Yes!
SDDS 4. I don't know what that means, but it sounds kind of like Digital Devil Saga 4, which I would like to get a 3, <laughs> but yeah, whatever. But yeah, that song is totally rad. Um, it's, it's pretty much the intro track for Shin Megami Tensei 4, because the bonus disc that it comes on has songs from a, a bunch of different Shin Megami games. And they're all cool, but that, that song just really does a great job at setting the stage for that game, because it's, it's got kind of a different vibe from Shin Megami Tensei 3, but it's... There are parts of it that overlap, and it has that like that really bassy synth thing at the beginning where it's like, and then like the drum samples are really clipped, so everything has this like really tense kind of dark feel to it, and it demonstrates that really well. I always think of it as the trailer song, since that was the song that we that was in the main Japanese trailer for a long time, and then when they finally released an English trailer, it was still the same song playing. So I watched it a billion times and kept hearing it, and I was like, yes, I want to hear this in the game. Apparently in Captain Falcon, yes. Yes! I had it on repeat a lot, too. And How did you like feel said, about it, Optimus? Like I said in the soundtrack review, no, I'm not ready for Kyle to talk yet. <laughs> I said Optimus. <laughs> no, yeah, he's Optimus. I know. I said I wasn't ready for him to talk. Anyway, I was just going to say, in the review, I think that the... I think the entire disc is not incredibly diverse. It's not the kind of thing that you pop in and just listen to because it's super cool, but it's really atmospheric, and it gets you in the mood for SMT4. Now, what do you think, Optimus? You may speak... Permission granted. It's very SMT-ish. Like, I don't know. I, I like it, but it's, it's safe. Sure. You think it's safe? Yeah. I like the SMT4 soundtrack, though. The battle and boss themes are a lot more memorable than, than that, or really any of the atmospheric tracks on that on the album but i definitely still dig it though but yeah i can see that there, there are other tracks that stand out more but that's the only one that's been released so far so we gotta yeah. take what we can get so the next track we're going to cover is from an album that was recently released on louder via joypad records and that's uh tales of edm which is by dj joe and it's a, a it's a, a short ep of four tracks of sort of like tracks of tales of symphonia and that's actually one of my favorite Tales soundtracks, and I don't know if maybe it's because that's the first Tales that I really, really played, but I have a lot of memories of playing Symphonia because I beat it myself, then I beat it like three times my little brother, and that's where our whole bromance as Lloyd and Zellos came out. To this day, his his screen names on stuff are still like the great Zellos, so we, we re- I really like that music. I know Neil was saying that he actually finds it to be kind of bland, and I've heard that complaint level that a lot of Tales music, but... I think some of it's still pretty good, and in this case, this is the one we picked is a, a remix of Fighting of the Spirit, which is a lot of people's favorite track from Tales of Fantasia and Tales of Symphonia, and it's super duper rad, so we're going to listen to it. Fighting of the Spirit.
All right, so I already know where this conversation's going. I really like this album, but I, 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 I don't mind dubstep. I don't mind this kind of super electronic sort of thing. And it could come from the fact that I really like like deep bassy sounds. Like around three minutes when it's got the main melody, like that, but it's like, like, I can't emulate it. I've tried to emulate dubstep before, I can't, but yeah, it's there are parts of the song that are definitely you you almost sounded as bad as the song. It's not bad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I have the talking bear right now, and so no, but I can see why that doesn't appeal to everyone. It's not like I sit there and go, Oh my god, how can you not like this? It's definitely there are parts of it that it's definitely like that is a grating sound, but I don't know, it, it doesn't bother me, and I really like the source track, and I think. That considering that that's what he set out to do, like he set out to make these into EDM tracks, I think he's very successful. And if you like EDM and you like the source material, you like this song. You guys clearly do not like EDM, though. So no, I love EDM. This isn't EDM. I don't know why he called it that. EDM is electronic dance music. EDM is getting really popular in mainstream music right now because you can hear dance beats in a lot of main in a lot of songs like Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, uh, Miley Cyrus. Like everybody has a a portion of their song that has an electronic dance beat, and this is not EDM, this is dubstep, in my opinion. I I wouldn't go so far as to say it's dubstep, because, I mean, it has sort of a drop, but, I mean, I thought it was EDM, but, you know, I can can appreciate you guys not digging it. I don't dig it. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It's fighting in the spirit, though. It's just not my, it's not my thing. No, that's cool. I don't hate all dubstep. I'm just tired of it, because it's, it's, it's... everywhere and i don't think that there's a lot of variety in the production i feel like like all four of these songs on this album have different melodies but they all have a part where they just go yeah they get, they get like to a drop they're like i don't, I don't like it. it it hurts my head <laughs> I, I can appreciate that it's it's not for everybody for sure so but i still respect him by the way i just want to say that even if I say I don't like things, I always respect the work that people put into their music. So I'm not I'm not slamming DJ Joe or anything. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the last track we're going to listen to is from our actually kind of hard to find album. I, I had to go and hunt these down from the the man in Japan that made them. Uh, his name is Daisuke Minamizao. I believe we've played a track of his before, but it's from the Final Fantasy Guitar Solo Collections. And I think we played one from Volume 3 before, because we did it all out of order. We reviewed yeah. Volume 3, and then we did Volume 1, and now we're doing Volume 2. So um, the track I picked, it was a really tough choice, because I wanted to pick the Final Fantasy IX track, and I didn't, because I wanted to give you guys variety. And it, it hurt my soul. And this is from Volume 1 of the Final Fantasy Guitar Solo Collections, and it's Tina, Terra. So Tina from Final Fantasy Guitar Solo Collections, Volume 1.
that was a nice change after the wub wub of the previous track. It was fantastic. Less, yeah, it was considerably less wubby. I, I, if I'm being objective, I think that track is better. But I also think Minamizawa is, A, an awesome player of the guitar, because he does the performances on this CD, because they come with uh, a book of the guitar tabs for the songs, and then he has like a performance. And you can actually watch almost all of them on YouTube. So if you like that and you don't want to go spend the money to import these books with the CDs from Japan, you can listen to almost all of his music right on his YouTube channel. And they're all awesome. And I think it's actually, it's less like, I mean, the original is really, really melancholy. Like, that's the word I would use to describe it. And I think when you yeah. put it in the acoustic guitar, it, it's a little bit brighter sound. And it actually brings a little bit different tone to it. It's more optimistic, I think. But I, I still really like it. Yeah, I got that feeling too. Gentle is the word I'd use. Yeah, I think Bob reviewed it, and he said the same thing in the, his review of the last one he did. Minamizawa really manages to put a lot of heart into his performing, and I think that really shows, especially with songs like these, because a lot of people, these songs are near and dear to their hearts. So when you, when you listen to it and you hear someone playing it that's playing it passionately like that, it really does. Like it, The song takes, becomes even more than I think it was, and that's a, that's a particularly famous song. I mean, everybody knows, and I've, I've never heard someone tell me they don't like terrorist theme. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there, and I'm sure someone will write and be like, Chrono Cross sucks. But well, there are definitely people that think that, but those yeah. aren't real people. So yes, exactly. You're not human. You're subhuman if you don't like Tina and Chrono Cross. So yeah, rad stuff. So now that we got that uh, JRPG crap out of the way, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh Kyle, I love JRPGs too. Sometimes let's talk about Western RPGs. In fact, yes, I will be the first one to admit that assembling a list of my favorite Western RPG music tracks was difficult because I think that in the West, we there's just a different philosophy when it comes to putting music in games. And I don't think it's always very conducive to making, you know, pleasant listening or listening outside of the game. Yeah, um, it's very... And we're probably touching that repeatedly here. But I find that the games that have good music, like, all of it is good. But the games that don't, it's usually just like, okay, there, you know, there it is. Yeah, it's not like outright bad. It's just completely bland. Like, right? Yeah, there there are a lot of Western games in general that just have like a score in the background, and it's you know not to not to downplay the effort of the musician that made the music, but right, it's, it's just background noise. It's not meant to be central to the experience, and no, I think that's not. just. I think you're right. I think it just comes from a different kind of philosophy. They often use silence. I mean, there's much. I think there's much more silence in. Western games than JRPGs. Absolutely. I think that if you boil it down to its simplest elements, it's just the approach is more ambient. It's ambience versus melody, and a lot of the songs that we've selected today have stronger melodies, but they they also have great ambient pieces as well. There's a balance of the two is ideal, I think. Yeah, that's that's generally what I would say too, because you know we've we've joked here and there, but that you know Western RPG music isn't memorable, or Western music in general. But I, I really don't think that's the case, and I think that when I sat down to pick my tracks for this, I was like, oh, there is a lot more stuff that I want. It's just I have to think a little harder because just because of how music is utilized, it's not like the boss theme in Chrono Cross. Like I don't think a lot of Western games go, oh, well, what's the boss theme for this fight going to be? Like I can't really even mm-hmm. remember the boss theme for Saren when you fight him in Mass Effect, but I remember playing it, and going, oh, the song is awesome. Them, but I can't remember it. So yeah, um, we picked a block of three tracks. I believe you picked the first one, Kyle. I did, and um, it's pretty freaking predictable. But <laughs> <laughs> I, it's probably my favorite track from The Witcher Two, and it's it's one of the it's a like an ambient song. It's more atmospheric. It's when you're 
just doing exploration, but it, it's so full and just really, I find it really affecting. So it's called A Nearly Peaceful Place. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to butcher the Polish names, so we're not going to say it. But let's just say that uh, I think it's Adam and Kristoff that made those made those songs. I don't want to butcher the names. And then Derek, you picked the second track. I did. Also, unsurprisingly, I picked a Western developed game with a Japanese influence. Uh, it's from Black Sigil. It's a Canadian developed DS RPG that shares almost like edited sprites from Chrono Trigger. Um, but it has some pretty pretty darn good music in it. Uh, I picked Faded Confrontation from Jan Morgenstern, and this is the boss battle. And then I picked the Bellinora world map song, also from Black Sigil, and also by Jack, Jan, Jan Morgenstern. Or is it Jan Morgenstern? It's probably Jan, actually, since it's J-A-N, now that I think if, if, if we've mispronounced your name and you're I, listening, we apologize. I read it. I read it in my mind as Jan, but... Of course. I mean, well, you're, right. you're Geralt, so why wouldn't you? <laughs> so coming up, we have Nearly Peaceful Place from The Witcher 2 and Faded Confrontation and the Bellinora World Map track from Black Sigil, Blade of the Exiled.
Thinking about The Witcher rarely makes me feel peaceful, but that track really does. You say it really makes you feel peaceful or rarely? Rarely makes me feel peaceful. I usually think about other things. Geralt does? Kills monsters. It's very salacious, Kyle. Wow, Kyle. Kyle x Geralt OTP. (laughs) Well, Kyle is Geralt. How does that work? Yeah, like whenever I see a picture of Geralt, like if I see a picture of Geralt of Rivia, (laughs) for for those of you who don't know, Kyle's picture on the forums and on RPG Fan is Geralt. And so whenever I see a picture, I'm like, oh, it's Kyle. I'm like, wait, no, Kyle's not Geralt. Like, I see Kyle in person, I'm like, wait, you're not Geralt? What? You might as like, well. I, get, I legitimately get confused, but <laughs> I, uh... I, I, I feel I, honored. I, you should. You, you should. Geralt's awesome. So, with with The Witcher 2's music, I actually really like the soundtrack to both 1 and 2. I think 2 has a slightly more memorable themes, and I wanted to... We, we had so many picks that I couldn't... I wanted to include the, the first battle theme from Witcher 2, uh, Path of the Kingslayer. And if you've played The Witcher 2, it's that, that first song you hear when you're in the first fight, and it's just awesome. Super just punchy and just just brutal and dirty. And this is like the exact opposite. It's just, and I think you're right. I think it plays like in the first town when you're there and like whenever you're sort of just walking around and you're not quite, you know, in a fight yet. And that's why I like the title of it too, A Nearly Peaceful Place. Because everywhere in that game, this is going to sound super cheesy and commercially, but danger could be lurking anywhere. So you never really know. And I just, I think that really, it really has that kind of vibe going on and it, it feels very artful. Really good production on it. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot of, a lot of craft goes into making the Witcher games. Like, cause when you look at the game, you really wouldn't realize how small the team is that makes it because of how just because the game incredible. is huge. Yeah, it's huge and it's incredibly polished and they continue to support it and Dude. it just it looks gorgeous and it's the audio lives up to the quality of the visuals. Would you so, say the game is quite polished? It's quite polished. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> we dig the Witcher 2. What about Black Sigil, Derek? The game sucks, but the music is pretty good. But you still have respect for the people who made it, right? <laughs> nah, I hate those after, guys. After all the trouble, it took. It was a lot of trouble for those guys to make it. Like it got delayed yeah, like fifty times, it and and it was glitchy. Like you can break the game in a few spots, and I almost did, and my friend did, and the the pace. It, it felt very fan gameish. Like the pacing was really bad, and the balancing was kind of off. So like you get into a fight like every two steps, and then the fight would take like four minutes. Oh my god, that encounter rate was so bad. Yeah, and it just it it was like they really loved Chrono Trigger, but they didn't quite capture the spirit of it although it did have some interest interesting stuff going on plot wise i actually beat it but yeah the, I, I, the i'm not happy about that and <laughs> i actually searched i had to search around town to find that game I, I ended up driving all the way across town to find this one GameStop that had a copy and i was really excited to get it but like you said the encounter rate and there, there's some weird stuff like with some of the areas are really really weirdly designed and are incredibly labyrinthine and yeah like overly circuit circuit to us Circus. They're complicated. Yeah. They're overly Cirque du Soleil-ish. And... Yeah, like everybody's just doing pratfalls and cartwheels. And... <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so anyway, that boss theme is pretty cool. It's... But the music, yeah. It's actually pretty good. You know, Faded Conversation actually, like, I mean, it feels very, very retro. And it mm. made me... Yeah, like, it, it, for a game that was trying to be like Chrono Trigger, I don't think it sounds much like Chrono Trigger, but I really liked it. Like, right when the battle theme starts, it's like, it's got that do 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 And then you hear, like, it sounds like that old Super Nintendo Genesis, that, like, monster going... It sounds authentic, for sure. That's it, yeah. it sounds like some it like the Super Nintendo RPG that you for some reason never got around to playing. Exactly. And I, I think everywhere but in terms of the gameplay, it got that. Like <laughs> Which the is gameplay is kind just, of a big deal, but okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, the balance was off. Like, it felt like a Super Nintendo game, but then you were like, wait, but the old ones were way more balanced than this-ish. Right. But the Bellinora world map song, um, that's the first world map theme in the game. I just, I really like, it's got this, like, sense of mystery to it that I think a lot of, especially now, JRPGs, I mean, with the internet, people look up so much stuff on their games before they come out. And, like, you know, oh, this is the world you're going to go to, and you're going to go here and there, and then it's got this town and these characters. And since I didn't know anything about that game, because they really didn't talk much about the game beyond a few of the basics. It's just, it has this kind of like mystique that a lot of classic JRPGs had where you get on the world map and you're like, I have no idea what's going on out here. I agree. And I, I think that song really captured that. And for the record, I don't hate those guys. It was just an unpolished game. Yeah. And you know, it, all things considered, I think they had problems with like dev kits and stuff. So, cause I mean, they were a first time, I'm pretty sure they were a first time developer. So this is before indies had really like exploded on the scene. Like I think right. we had, like we had nothing but braid at that point. And you know, there were other things, but right. it wasn't the way it is now for them to publish uh, a DS game, which is probably not the easiest platform to develop for. And to have it actually carried in retail stores on a card and everything. That was really cool. Yeah. Like, and especially with Nintendo, the, even now, I mean, they're loosening their stance, but they were pretty draconian when it came to smaller teams. So, sure. But anyways, move on to our next block of tracks. we got another set of three. Uh, I forgot to include one of Derek's here. Derek, I'm, oh, I'm, no! doing, the, I'm doing the Michael Scott, please forgive me, or not Michael Scott, the uh, Michael Bluth forgive me pose right now yeah, like from the, season four. The humble prayer. Yeah, the humble prayer. Of course. But uh, we'll make up for it. Anyways, I picked the first track, and it's from a game that I actually really liked. I know you weren't a big fan of it, Derek. It was one of the launch games for PS3, PS2. Wow. Uh, the Summoner. Evergrace? And, oh. No, not Evergrace. Although that could even <laughs> have some cool music in it. But so the Summoner's got this really interesting story behind it that I found when I went to go look for this song. And the song I picked is the end credits theme. And it's originally by a guy named Scott Lee. But what happened was when the Summoner came out, there was all this internal weirdness with Volition. And I guess Scott Lee sent in his masters of the music. And then they had another guy go and work on top of that music. And then when they credited that guy, they didn't credit Scott Lee. So he's actually re-releasing. He's the only person who owns the masters of the music. So he's actually re-releasing the Summoner soundtrack with like modern kind of uh, synth and stuff. And I've been trying to get him for an interview because it's a really interesting story to hear um, that something like that could happen. Summoner was one of the first games... I ever played like per PC. That was like, yeah, I liked it then, but I don't think it would hold up today very well. No, I, I watched some video of it and I never played the PC version, but like it, you know, it was from still from an earlier time in design where like the camera was pointed at the ground so you could never see anything and it was very slow, but it had this really, really great dark fantasy atmosphere that the music I think communicated. So that little story aside, Summoner end credits and then Kyle picked the next track, which from Mark Morgan, um, his work on Planescape Torment, really interesting. Very, it was hard to pick just one because they're all, and I hope I can fit some in in later podcasts if you'll ever ask me back, which you probably won't. <laughs> not unless you like, not unless you like EDM. Oh, JK. It was nice knowing you, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> no, I selected uh, Dianara's theme. Really unique, and it's not. I, I don't think it's the most, I guess, prototypical for the for that OST, but it's definitely one of the more memorable ones. Yeah, like having not played most of the game, when I that was one of the songs that stuck out to me when I listened to the soundtrack because I have a friend that's been trying to get me to play it since like middle school. But yeah, that's a great one. And then I picked the last track, which is from Dragon Age Two. It's Fenris's theme. That's by Enonzer, and this is probably the best track in Dragon Age Two. We have end credits from the Summoner, Dianara's theme from Planescape Torment, and Fenris's theme from Dragon Age Two.
all that backstory aside from the Summoner soundtrack, I, I really felt like that game had this really cool, just very depressing atmosphere that even a lot of Western games don't quite do these days. Like, that game was dark. And it that song is just great because it's the end credits. So it's very melancholy. It's very just, like... You wouldn't you wouldn't hear that at the end of a Final Fantasy or at the end of like Chrono Trigger or Kingdom Hearts. Like it's always like uplifting. You save the day. Whereas the Summoner was a lot more ambiguous about how things kind of ended, and that song really does capture that well. And the, the whole atmosphere of the game, just like Kyle said earlier, I don't know if I'd advocate playing the Summoner now because <laughs> it's it's pretty dated. I mean, it was like sort of like a Baldur's Gate plus Vagrant story thing going on, but it's just it's you know it was from an earlier time in design that maybe didn't age as well. But musically, it's well worth hopping onto Scott Lee's uh, YouTube page and listening because a lot of the music in the games is fantastic. I did appreciate the dark approach. It didn't feel quite as generic because there, there's a lot of games, Western RPGs rather, that have the dark fantasy approach that have a really limited musical range where it's just oh, yeah. like some some bassy guitar strums and some ominous sounding chimes in the background or whatever. So that, that had a little bit of a unique spin that I enjoyed. Yeah. It's really it, interesting for, for credit music, like you said, Stephen, I think. It's like, oh. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the... Like, if you've played this... If, the listeners have played the summoner midway through the game. You think you're about to like win and then you end up worse than you've ever been. And all of a sudden the story has this major shift and the ending kind of has a very similar thing going on where it's like, well, you won, but eh, still not super happy. So I, I thought that was an interesting creative choice for that game. And it's, you know, it, it's not the kind of game that I think could come out now. Anyways, Planescape Torment. Dan R's theme. It just she's in the game. She's um she's not a playable character. She's an NPC you meet early on for the first time, and she's like this ghostly lover basically. And you're the, the protagonist has lost his memory, so you're not sure exactly what's going on. But you know she says that she knows you, and she's a very mysterious and kind of alluring and enchanting. And I think this her theme perfectly captures that like haunting sort of desire that her character represents. Totally agreed. Yeah, and that's... I haven't played that, Planescape. Need to, but it's... That that song, along with all of the praise I've heard for the game's writing, keeps pushing me to play it. I really need to just give it a try. We should just play it together, Derek. I have it from GOG. We should totally hit it up. Yeah, I, I have it too. Like, oh, I, bought it, I bought it on GOG a while ago. Oh, God. <laughs> I bought it... No, not GOG, God, Kyle. <laughs> I, bought it, I bought it directly from GOG. I was like, Lord... May I please have this? I'm going to piss off listeners. I apologize. Anyways, to me, this Planescape. <laughs> please give unto me Planescape. <laughs> but yeah, like I was when I was when I was looking for the tracks on YouTube, it had a picture of Danar, and I was like, wow, that, it's really evocative art. And that's why I said, I go, she like an angel or like a ghost or something. So it's and I feel like the song communicates that well too. But having not played it, I can't comment more deeply on does it tie into the story. But it was awesome, like I am told Planescape is. So. Stephen, we have such similar thoughts. It's almost like we can finish each other's... Sandwiches? Sentences. Why would I say... Sandwiches? <sighs> now I've watched Arrested Development, and I can get all the references. What? What? Pretty awesome. <clears throat> You're let's alien. Our, our next podcast tracks. No, let's not. Let's talk about Dragon Age 2 Fenris theme. I forgot. Oh, man. I love that song. Dragon Age 2 soundtrack, along with Dragon Age 1. I remember Liliana's song from Dragon Age 1 and nothing else. I remembered Fenris's theme from <laughs> Dragon Age 2 and nothing else. Go ahead. I was going to say, Dragon Age 2 is sort of a mess of a game because there are lots of good parts, but there are a lot of bad parts. And Fenris, for me, was the most interesting character by a long shot because I barely remember the rest. I just remember Anders because he's a terrorist, and I remember the dwarf. I don't remember his name. But 
Fenris was cool because my character was a mage, and Fenris is this elf who was basically the slave of a of a group of mages, and so he hates them. So throughout the game, if you're a mage, you have like a lot of this conflict where you're like, well, I want to go protect mages, and he's like, no, screw that, we should kill them all, they're bad. And, you know, I don't want to spoil it because it's still a relatively recent game, but, you know, by the time yeah. you get to the end, he's one of the characters that's really had interesting growth that... There was a lot of friction. That's it's not it's not expressed as Fenris is friends with you. Therefore, he now loves mages. It's Fenris has learned that the world is more gray than he would have originally thought, and that's the most interesting kind of story to me. And that's why I love his theme <laughs> until the end. Yeah, until the end. Until EA was like, finish the game, and they were like, all right, uh, there's a monster. That's that's why I like Fenris's theme because I feel like it really captures that essence of his character. Like of this, he's like he's dark and sort of people have called him emo because he has you know white hair and he's an elf and he's he's depressing. But that's that's disingenuous, I think. And I, I I just I really like the song on its own. But as when it's connected to his character, I think it's even better. Yeah, he was definitely one of the more most compelling characters, possibly the only one. I liked Varric quite a bit, but. You didn't like what? Isabella or boobs, as I prefer to call her, because that's the only thing she served in that game. Yeah, Princess Jasmine with the D cup. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next one. <laughs> yes, Derek, hey, what'd you pick? I've, I haven't played Dragon Age 2. I'm just looking at the character design. I have no idea. No, Isabella was literally... I, I feel like Isabella was just... EA went to them, and they were like, we need a character with large breasts to sell this game to bros. And they were like, all right, well, we'll yep. make her some stuff. Done. And then that was Isabella. Sorry if you like yeah, Isabella. Yeah, but she was one of the first characters that we saw, so, like, I don't know. That's true. Maybe maybe she's not, like, James from uh, Mass Effect. I thought you were going to say Pokemon for some reason. <laughs> she's, my favorite, she's my favorite Pokemon. Anyway, I almost caught a bit of an Asian influence in the beginning of the song, but it got a little bit more Western. It was kind of like the flutiness and the string instrument, whatever, I guess. Yeah, was it I, know you mean. I don't know if it was, like, mandolin. It wasn't mandolin. But it seemed a little Asian. And I was surprised when I looked at his character design and he was an elfy elf. So Derek, we, our next block of tracks. Our next Derek, block of tracks. Our next block of tracks. Some songs from video games, such as... Awesome ones. Uh, once again, I picked something that was a Western-developed indie RPG in the style of the Japanese classics. It's from Pure Solar and the Great Architects, developed by Watermelon, an indie company based in Iowa. And... Really? Yeah. They're based in Iowa? Yeah, they have a lot of people... I think from South America. I don't know if they're in South America, but they're. I drove through Iowa the other day. I refuse to believe there's anything there. (laughs) Yeah, there is nothing in Iowa except watermelon and potatoes (laughs) and fields. Sorry if you live in Iowa. Anyway, so I picked the battle theme from Pure Solar, and it's really cool because the uh, the uh, the game when it was made. I don't know if, if, in case you don't have any background on Pure Solar, it was actually an independently developed Sega Genesis game that came out several years ago, and they actually created a full retail, well, not retail, but a full physical release for it with, a, like, the the blister case and the color manual, some stickers, and then the Sega Genesis game cart. Super and cool. It is super cool. And along with that, initially, it uh, included a, an enhanced soundtrack CD where if you played mm-hmm. it in a Sega CD, it would play a more high-fidelity version of the soundtrack throughout the game. So, really, there are two versions of this soundtrack, which is super cool. And if I remember correctly, I picked the uh, high-fidelity high-fidelity version because I like it better. We like it hi-fi, just like Sony. Hi-fi on our Wi-Fi. So this is the battle theme from Pure Solar, and then... I picked a track that is not available on the Borderlands 2 original soundtrack, and as I'm slowly trying to convert everyone at RPG Fan to loving Borderlands, I point out that the music in 2 is actually really good. In the first Borderlands, there was, like, interesting tracks, but it was all just kind of like you're in the desert westerny stuff. There was interesting things, but Borderlands 2 has a much more distinctive 
sound palette because they knew what they were going for with the audio. And this is a track from the area. It's the Wildlife Exploitation Preserve. And there's the, the battle theme version of this track is on the soundtrack. But th- this is just the, the ambient exploration version. And it's literally, I got to the area. I was playing it with four friends. And all four of us stopped and was like, hey, hold up. I got to turn the volume up. Everybody be quiet. Like, this song just <laughs> one of the most memorable things orally from the game. And just totally awesome. I don't know which of the many composers involved with Borderlands directly composed it because there was Chris Velasco, Sasha, I think it's Dikichian, Jesper Kidd, Raisin Ver- Werner. I, I don't remember which one it was, but one of those awesome musicians did this song too. And then, Kyle, you picked our third track. Alex Brandon's uh, title theme from the original Deus Ex, which um, is just this great, like, kind of cheesy, but purely awesome, like, synth cyber tra- cyberpunk track. Yeah, it... It definitely like it's the first thing you hear in Deus Ex, and it's it it sets the mood for like the sort of at this point it's kitschy, but it's like you know it's it's sci-fi. So coming up, we have the battle theme from Pure Solar and the Great Architects, the Wildlife Exploitation Preserve from Borderlands Two, and the title theme from the original Deus Ex.
love that battle theme. It's got a really catchy melody, especially a little bit after the minute mark. It's got kind of an interesting mix-up. <laughs> That's I was actually gonna say what the same I was going to say. Wow. Yeah. Well, huh. <laughs> all going to say that. It's like we're finishing each other's sandwiches. Sandwiches. Uh, so, yeah, I really like that track. It, it definitely stuck out to me a lot to the point where while I was playing the game, I actually played it for review a while back. I, I bought the Sega Genesis cartridge and everything. And while I was playing it, that got stuck in my head more than than anything probably the that song is probably more memorable than some aspects of the game itself to me i was constantly humming it and i had some friends that were watching me play it and they were uh, listening to it a lot too so super cool song and it's again much like black sigil it feels like a long lost sega genesis game that we just never got yeah like we, we were talking a little bit about it and i think because you didn't give it an awesome review but like you didn't like destroy it and i think I think what comes up with a lot of these like smaller games is it's very easy nowadays to make a game. Not easy. I don't mean to downplay someone's effort, but it's much. It's it's not as tall in order to make a game that looks and sounds like a AAA or like a like a really authentic Sega Genesis release or a Super Nintendo game. It's in the flow of the game that you realize where most amateurism. And again, I don't use that in a negative. These guys are amateurs, but I mean they are the definition of amateurs. They you know they're not doing it professionally. This is their first release. And then you get like, oh, battles take way too long and the dungeons can be overly complex. And some people like that, but generally speaking, there's a fine line. And I think musically and visually, that game just knocked the Sega Genesis look out the park. And Absolutely. The, the synth stuff literally sounds like something you'd hear on like Lunar Sega CD. Right. And I wanted to love that game a lot more than I did, mostly just because of some of the design balance decisions, like you said, like regular encounters being able to wipe you and dungeons that had invisible switches behind invisible walls that you had to go through <laughs> to progress. Like, really, like, how was I supposed to know that I had to click behind some pillar to hit some switch for an invisible platform without consulting a walkthrough or whatever? And, of course, at the time, like, there weren't really many walkthroughs available for the game. So, and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to have to rely on them anyway. But for the listeners, in case you guys are interested in playing the game, the Sega Genesis edition has been sold out for quite some time. They reprinted it a couple of times, but it's sold out right now. Though the company did have a successful Kickstarter at the end of last year for a an HD version of the game. And Pure Solar HD is going to be on PC as well as I think Wii U and Wii U, Wii U. some other stuff. I don't think it's going to be on PSN, Xbox Live, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be on at least Wii U and PC. I, well, I'm sure about those two, but yeah, you can definitely check it out. I, the Kickstarter was like 15 bucks for a copy, so I bet the game will be somewhere around 15 20 when it comes out. It's supposed to be out near the end of this year. So it's absolutely worth checking out, and I hope that in the HD version they address some of the gameplay issues, because the music is great. And what's what's especially cool with the music, too, um, the soundtrack is this gorgeous. You can get this. It's a four-disc package with like great artwork. So if you do like the music, and it's all on YouTube, you can listen to it. Go and buy a copy of the soundtrack, because it's really awesome. The second track we listened to was, as I said, one of my favorites from Borderlands. And just, like I said, we, we all stopped. We were like, what is this? This is It's it's probably the best track in the game. There's a couple good ones at the end, too. But yeah, like so, Colin and I were saying. So far, I haven't beat it quite yet. but It's it's definitely the most memorable. It's like if I ever think Borderlands 2 music, I immediately go to that. It has this like Unreal Tournament sound to it. Like that synth that like do, 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 do. It's just... It sounds like games did around the era of, like, Deus Ex and Unreal Tournament, Unreal Tournament 2. Like, it has a real... Uh, this sounds weird, but it, it reminds me of PC gaming. Because that sound is something that you heard so much in PC games so many years ago. And it just, it really stuck with me. And that area is one of the first areas where there's, like, a major storyline. Like, something dramatic happens, so... I quite enjoyed it. I really need to get Borderlands 2 as an aside, but... You uh, should then play with me, Mike. It's just first-person games, headaches... 
motion sickness, kind of all that stuff. Music musically, that was cool. I, it felt kind of spacey to me almost, and I have a hunch that that track was composed by uh, Jasper Kid, but I could be wrong. It's interesting that you said spacey too, because when I said Unreal Tournamenty, that's most Unreal Tournament, a lot of Unreal Tournament maps take place in like outer space or like mm. in a in a station in yeah. space. That's wh- that's probably why I got that vibe too. So spacey is definitely. What I would get to from it. I dare say it wouldn't be out of place in a Mass Effect. And then for the third track in that block, Kyle picked the title theme from Deus Ex, which I had never heard. It, it felt kind of like cheesy '90s PC stuff, and I, I like that about it. it. It really is, but in a, in a good way, because when it came out, it wasn't kitschy, it wasn't cheesy. It was, I mean, all right, it was a little bit, but it because just the nature. If you look at old sci-fi, old sci-fi always ends up looking pretty cheesy, and especially old good sci-fi. So I don't want to say all right, like a statement backpedaling delete delete anyways yeah it sounds cheesy but when it came out it was like whoa this is awesome it gave me orange i wanted lemon lime apples and oranges and speaking of deus ex speaking indeed of deus ex our next block of tracks i picked from the the original deus ex has a lot of great music in it like the cathedral theme and the title theme and other things that i can't name off the top of my head but human revolution has in my opinion an even better soundtrack human revolution was one of my favorite albums that year it came out i remember I went to Montreal and saw the game and just, I was like, soundtrack, soundtrack. And they were like, what, really? And I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. And like, they let me talk to the sound guy and like nobody else has to talk to him. And so the sound is such an integral part of Human Revolution, creating that atmosphere that they've created. It's not just the orangey graphics. Like the title theme is great in that game too. It's really, really atmospheric. But what, the track I picked is uh, Hengsha Daylight Part 1, which takes place in Hengsha. And it's really cool. It's by Michael McCann. And then Derek, you picked our second track. This is from another game of questionable quality. I'd say that while Black <laughs> Sigil and Pure Solar have rough spots, they're both definitely playable, more so Pure Solar. Uh, Pure Solar, I would even say, is a good game. Black Sigil is an okay game. Shadow Madness is not <laughs> a good game. And I hate to just say that flat out, it's not a good game, but I really don't think it is. And it was a PlayStation 1 game that tried really hard to capture the success that games like Final Fantasy 7 and Legend of Dragoon started. I guess it, it probably came out before Legend of Dragoon now that I think about it, but it was just like the most generic polygonal graphic RPG with turn-based battles and pre-rendered backgrounds that had some awful character designs like a floating head and a hey. scarecrow that looked like Vivi. Hey, Planescape had a floating head. Yeah, but that one was a, a skull and, and he was funny. Yes. As far as I know. I'm posing here. I haven't played. Oh, no, no, I played the intro. He's funny. Yeah, so... His name is Morte. So that I means death. One of the... Okay, Shadow Madness has like a million battle themes. I, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say I think there's upwards of 25, and they're different for every situation, pretty much. There's probably even more than that. I think there's... Like, every major, every area in the game, I think, had its own battle theme, or every situation had its own battle theme. I'm not 100% sure on that. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, that is really cool. So the soundtrack is, is a standout element of the game, so I did some digging on YouTube. And the one that I liked the best was Battle Theme 6. This is by Brad Spear, and it's really hard to find any information about him. And somebody on YouTube credited him as the unsung hero of PS1 RPG music, and I, you know, I... I don't know, I think that's kind of hyperbolic, but this is actually a pretty cool theme. We'll have to do a little research. Yes. And then, Kyle, you picked our third track. Yes, I did. I had to pick something from Mass Effect series. It was difficult to just pick one. Um, yeah, that's why I let you do a it. Lot, a lot of the tracks from... I like a lot of the ones from the first one, and then the second one, like, a lot of them are good, like the character tracks, but they're so long that they're not really conducive to having on a podcast. Yeah, but like from Mass Effect 12. 3, um, Leaving Earth, Clint Menzel, Ooh. Sam Hulick, 
Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, this is this is the Mass Effect three song. Other other than and then once and for all, like this is the yeah. song that like this was. I I don't remember if it was in the trailer. I think it was, but it was one of the first things I saw for Mass Effect. Like I remember I played the demo. When you finish the demo, it starts playing this, and I was like, "Dear Lord, I have to play this game." So yeah, coming up we have Hungshaw Daylight Part One from Deus Ex Human Revolution, Battle Theme Six from Shadow Madness, and Leaving Earth from Mass Effect three.
with Hungshot Daylight, the first thing to notice is that I, I for listening outside of the game, the first like I'd say minute and a half is very it's it's not much for listening to because it's meant to be in the game. It's like ambiance, like you just got in the area, you're kind of walking around. But the buildup with all the different instruments is just fantastic. Like right around 145, you have like just these background vocals and you have like bells in the background, unless that was something I heard through somebody's mic, but I'm pretty sure that the <laughs> bells are in the track. And like you have this really strong sense of percussion. And just like I said earlier, it just Deus Ex Human Revolution, I think for me, even more than the visuals, the sound creates the atmosphere. Uh, just I feel like that is the crux upon which the, the, the tone of that game rests. Just that really like it's yeah. it's it's earth, but it's like otherworldly because of just all this technology and this like fusing of man and machine and just th- towards the end of the track it like every instrument gets stripped out and you, then you just have like these strings playing and like the industrial like the clangs and stuff going it's love that song it's incredibly dynamic like it changes so much and yep. and it's only part one like <laughs> <laughs> i exactly that's the dynas- dynamism i can't speak today my words the dynamism is one of my favorite parts of that soundtrack because you would think with Oh, and it's a background song for a Western RPG, and you're roaming, so it's just ambiance. But there's a lot going on, and it even for just you going through one area, like you said, there's a lot happening. Yeah, yeah, I can really appreciate that because it goes from this kind of placid background noise to this super cool cyber warfare hack the planet electro beat. Hack the planet. Me like. Yeah, I'm glad you guys dug it. It was cool. So. Things that we didn't really dig that much. So, like I said, so I was Shadow Madness, I, I picked this battle theme because I thought it was one of the better ones, but it's still not, like, amazing. It's it's just interesting. It's For me, it was more of a history lesson. Yeah, and I, I can appreciate that, too, because it's cool to have something that we've never had on the show. Yeah, and, yeah and I, I had never even heard of this. I didn't realize that okay. Shadow Madness was considered obscure. Like, I thought everybody knew about it. Well, well I knew about it because I had the demo disc. But I never the character's name is Stinger. <laughs> so, All right. My problem with it was, again, I won't say it's outright bad, but it felt really messy. Like, there was so much happening, but there was nothing keeping it together. It was just like, a bunch of stuff. And then around <laughs> 20 seconds, you have that dumb, dum dum Like, it really reminds me of, like, for some reason, when I think of Western developers trying to do Japanese RPGs, a lot of times the audio has this sparse thing going on that doesn't quite capture it right. I don't know what that is, but, like, Sonic Sonic Chronicles is like that. Which I left the music out of that because that game has terrible music. Like this is, there's nothing redeeming in it. But in fact, the audio in Sonic Chronicles overall is just abominable. But with Shadow Madness, I listened to some of the tracks and I was like, okay, some of these are cool, but it just it feels messy. Like there's nothing cohesive about it. It's just like here's a bunch of instruments doing stuff and then a breakdown. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for it. So sorry, Brad Spear. But if you want to come on the show and talk to us, we'd still like, love to have you. For sure. And then we go to Mass Effect 3, the most iconic song of the game, I would argue, Leaving Earth. It's just so arresting, and the Clint Menzel's influence in it is incredible. Yeah, like that that piano, that... It's... it's I, I, I went on a road trip recently, and I was telling my friend that one of my favorite parts of a lot of music is when they can do a little with a lot simplicity. I'm sure I've said it on here, because I repeat myself ad nauseum. And that song, the main thing with Leaving Earth and with like an end once and for all is just this is really simple piano, but it's so, as Kyle said, arresting because it's all you're hearing. And then they work in that boom, boom, boom. And just, and then when they start, it's like they're emulating the Reaper sound in the song. It's like you yeah. have this this yeah. peaceful world, this this galactic society that is interrupted by the invasion of the Reapers. And that's what happens in this song. It's like, hey, Earth is all happy and peace. Oh, snap. 
They're blowing up Canada. Yeah, it paints an incredibly vivid picture. And in in an end once and for all, the end one of the ending tracks, the original version, there's this really abrupt at the end that kind of ruins that song for me. Not ruins, but it, it it's a not a cool ending. Whereas with here, I don't mind the Reaper sound effects. Like they come in, and I'm like, this is part of this song, and it's it's so. Again, I love that you use the word arresting because even when I was when I when three came out and before I hated the ending, my friends and I were at work talking about it. Like every day, we would go home, we'd go to work, we'd go home and play Mass Effect. And like I'd be like, "Hey Brian, what?" And just it's it, it's so iconic. I, I I would say that other than maybe End Run and Suicide Mission from Two, it's the most unforgettable song from the series. And that's when we talk about games having like Western RPGs not having strong melodies. Mass Effect Three kicks that in the ass. So for our next set of tracks, I picked two again because I'm greedy, greedy, greedy. But I left Kyle out this time. And so the first track I picked is from a game that is not out yet. It was kickstarted last year. It's Valdis Story: Abyssal City. And we did a preview of the game, and I, I'm ashamed to admit I didn't pay close enough attention to it until I saw that the soundtrack was out. And then I went and played the demo. I was like, wow, this game is really awesome. Sort of an identical story to what happened to me with Dust is I heard the soundtrack, and I was so blown away by how good the soundtrack is. It's available on Bandcamp now by Zach Parrish. I was so blown away. I was like, I got to play this game. And then the game turned out to be great, too. It's like this super cool Castlevania-style, like castle, like Metroid Castlevania-style action RPG. But I picked the track from it called Thriven with Life. I could have picked literally any track from the soundtrack because it is amazing. Like, go buy this guy's soundtrack and go on Twitter and tell him how freaking awesome he is because, whoa. I literally, I had a Witcher song here and I cut it literally at the last minute because I was like, I have to have a song from this game in here. It is so good. You did what? You shouldn't have Nothing, Kyle. Nothing. So the the second track we picked after Thriven with Life was Puppet Show from Secret of Evermore. This is composed by Jeremy Soule, who has become a lot more uh, prolific and well-known ever since the early days. And a lot of people don't know that he did the soundtrack for Secret of Evermore for the... Uninitiated, Secret of Evermore was the Western answer to Secret of Mana, and it was sort of this weird, like, it plays really similarly to Secret of Mana, but it's single player, you're uh, playing as a boy that has a dog companion, and you travel through four different time periods, and in each time period, the dog changes appearance to match. So, this... Robot dog! I believe this is from the third area, the medieval time period, when your dog is a purple poodle, (laughs) Um, but it's called Puppet Show, and it's pretty interesting. It's got a really weird atmosphere for a Super Nintendo RPG. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people don't know that Jeremy Soule did this. Like they're like, "Oh, he did a SquareSoft RPG, really? He's the Morrowind guy or he's the Dungeon Siege, he's everything." But that's what's really cool to me is that he had this is what he, where he got his start and you can definitely hear his sound in this. And I think he composed this with his brother. Sounds right to me. So after that, we've got a song from Cognition and Erica Reed Thriller, which is by Austin Haynes. And I've I've been a fan of this game soundtrack for a while. I think when we did our very first music show, uh, I think I included a Cognition track. But this is called Life and Death, and it plays in the final scene in the most recent episode, episode three, when everything is being revealed. And, oh, man, I'm going to rip off Kyle's word. It is arresting. So coming up, we have Thriven with Life from Valda's Story, Abyssal City, Puppet Show from Secret Evermore, and Life and Death from Cognition.
driven with life is really awesome. Of everything I heard, I've heard today that I hadn't before. That by far the best song. It's, I really like that. Yeah. yeah, super diverse, and love that piano that kicks in at like a minute, minute thirty. Yeah, like that. That was the thing is, it's another track where there's a lot of build up where they keep layering more instruments. Like yeah, that hollow, like that, like it's like a percussive synth. I don't, I, I don't have the the, the words, but. And then there's like that build up and it adds the piano and the guitar and just it's so it's melodic but also atmospheric. It's 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 the best of both worlds. And that whole soundtrack is like that too, where there's a lot of variety. Like there's some songs that are like rocking out with a guitar, but it still has that sort of that same style that is present in that song. I'm glad you guys liked it because I would have had to kill you if you didn't. It I made just... me um it made me look at Andrew's preview of the game again. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's re- that's really what it did to me. I was like, wow, this music is so good. This is like dust all over again. I went and read our preview of it because I remember I read our preview of Dust after I heard the soundtrack and I was like, I'm gonna get this game. And so yeah, the, the demo of the game is a lot of fun too. It's it's Castlevania with awesome music, which I mean that's just Castlevania, but it's with a different style <laughs> yeah, of awesome music. Count me in. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's supposed to be out very soon too, so Check that out. And then uh, Derek, Puppet Show. Yeah, really track, kind of on the short side, but really atmospheric, much like a lot of the music in Secret of Evermore are pretty much all of it except for the boss themes. The The soundtrack as a whole is just like he did a, an incredible job of making you feel like you were in those areas because a lot of music in the Super Nintendo era was super melodic, which is and it was awesome. But this was more like, like in the first area, the prehistoric area, you hear like the bubbling swamp behind you and flies buzzing around and you can hear birds in the background, like prehistoric birds and stuff. So it was very different from starting up Secret of Mana and having our Secret of Mana. Right, exactly. So I really like what he did there. And I think this this song was a good example of that. It's I want to say it played, there was an area in the uh, part of the medieval area that had this chessboard that had demonic chess pieces you had to fight and stuff and i want to say it played around there but i don't remember for sure also interesting yeah. note about that game is there's a final fantasy 4 cameo cecil runs a shop in one of the towns oh really i don't, I don't see i played that but i don't remember it that well and that's actually what I find interesting about it, too, is that you have Jeremy Soule, you have this very Western sensibility. I mean, everybody can identify a Jeremy Soule song. If you've played any of the Elder Scrolls games in the recent year, in recent years, Dungeon Siege, I believe he did both of them, all three of them. And it's, it's really interesting to hear his take on the Super Nintendo synth, because I think this was his first official project. I think he like did it with his brother or something. And it's just, normally I'm not like, oh, I want ambiance, but this has, it, it's such a cool use of a very familiar sound palette. Like, we all know the Super Nintendo sound, so it's really cool to hear it used in this way that almost nobody else was doing. I really enjoyed it. I, I remember playing the game and not really liking it that much a very long time ago, but... I don't know. This almost makes me want to go revisit it because yeah. and it's so weird that he did it too. Because it just doesn't sound like the game itself it is does. a duel. I think it, I think it was. It's a really interesting game to go back and play because it's so atmospheric and it does so much at creating that atmosphere with the limited hardware and, and sound. It's got some weird stuff like casting magic. You have to find ingredients and then it's like it's alchemy basically. Oh, it's very uh, old school. Like. I remember, I think it was the first EverQuest. You actually had to have components in your inventory to cast certain magic spells. So, like, if you wanted to cast the teleporter, you had to have, like, a teleport stone. If you wanted to cast a certain kind of transmogrification spell, it was, like, you need mm-hmm. to have, like, somebody's poop in your hand or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> it was, uh... Of course. It, but, yeah, that's that's a very, like, Western sensibility for casting magic, like, especially in that era. And the third track was, it's probably my favorite Cognition track ever. Austin Haynes is just an amazing composer. He did the 
the all three episodes that have been released, so, or all four episodes of the Silver Lining so far, the King's Quest fan game, and he did Cognition. And just even just throughout Cognition, I feel like there's been a lot of evolution of his music. And this is just such a great – again, it, it, it accompanies the final scene where everything is being finally revealed to you, like the mysteries of the whole – all three episodes of Cognition up to that point. And literally I was playing and I'm like, yeah, I, I like the series. It's improved. The third one was definitely the best. But then you're watching the final scene and like things are unfolding that in some cases you didn't expect. And that song is playing and you're just like, oh my god, everything's so dramatic. And I love it like really dirty guitars and like the background kind of like the ah. but anyways we want to move on next three tracks i'm not represented here so see i'm not a tyrant i'm not a monster i'm just ahead of the curve you're actually treating your guests nicely for once That's nice. right so kyle and derek take it away so the next one um this one goes out to bob from bastion it's mine windbag mine mine by darren korb probably my favorite bastion track off of what is an excellent soundtrack bastion's I personally think Bastion's a little overrated, but I love the music from it, and Transistor looks amazing. And we interviewed Darren Corbin Random Encounter about two years ago, so check it out. Yes, and the following track is one I picked from Septericore. It's called Seventh Surface, and I couldn't find the composer for this one. Um, Septericore was a PC RPG that came out around the time of Final Fantasy VII, and the marketing for it literally said on the box, if you liked Final Fantasy VII, you'll love this. But it wasn't really like Final Fantasy VII. It had a... An interesting kind of like a cyberpunk steampunk mix aesthetic, but yeah, strange. It but it was more like a Baldur's Gate than any than a Final Fantasy game. Um, it had turn-based combat, but it was very it was very Western style. So I picked one of the world map themes. That, that it takes place on this gigantic, you know, like a spherical world, and then you Pizza. go deeper and deeper and deeper. There are different layers. So this is the seventh surface world map theme. And then from one of my favorite soundtracks, which doesn't even really exist, like in a physical copy, which is such a shame you have to get it on youtube or if you can if you own the game you can you know get it take the tracks out of the folder right which i did and then i lost them but it's from it's called whitenden which is a i believe it's yeah it's a town in like the second half of the game and the composer is chris Vrenna. yeah well i didn't realize this but it's the one of the founders of the nine inch nails yeah that's really strange i I, see i don't there's nothing about this soundtrack out there so i had no idea like where did you yeah well <laughs> I, I pulled it up on, uh, it was like a European site that was still selling a disc-based version of the game, and I, it was like, soundtrack by Chris Vrenna, and I was like, the guy from Nine Inch Nails? And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that is indeed who it is, and that totally sounds like something that they would have done Ion Storm back in the day, so. Yeah, yeah and the whole up, soundtrack is just fantastic, and I'll definitely select more from it in the future, but this is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's another game I need to play. I have it from good old games. God, God gave it to me. And uh, so, coming up. This anomaly in time. Gif unto me, Anachronox. So, <laughs> coming up next, we have Mind Windbag Mine from Bastion, Seventh Service from Septera Core, and Whitenden from Anachronox.
I just loved Killing Monsters to that Bastion soundtrack or that Bastion track. So yeah, good. It, it has like a real like it sounds like you're in a mining area. Like it has like industrial like 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 pickaxes clanking on rocks and stuff. That and it's such a whole... it's such a weird and complex mashup of sounds and instruments, but it works wonderfully. Yeah, like I really got the vibe from Bastion, and I'm pretty sure when we talked to Aaron Corb, he said this too. Like they all worked very closely together, so you can tell he understood the different themes of the game and like the areas while he was composing because. It's it's complex in the way that that game's the, the different areas of that game are too. So I think that it's definitely evidence of having like the two side, like the the game side and the and the the audio side kind of mm-hmm. together. It's a cool song, and like I said, I I think the soundtrack is the standout element for me. It's a stand the standout element of Bastion. So I appreciated that song, and it had a cool East meets East meets West vibe going on. Yeah, I definitely think the soundtrack is the standout of that game too. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then for Septeracore, that track is really quiet. It's kind of uh, I think I forget what it was. We had a track on the previous, not the Ivy interview episode, but I think the episode before with Kyle on here. It may have been that one where he mentioned uh, a track and described it as it sounded like it was breathing, and that's how I feel about that track, Seventh Surface. It's it's very 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 mellow, but it's kind of slightly ominous and a little bit foreboding, but well, ominous and foreboding mean the same thing. So yeah, it's atmospheric. First of all, great job bringing it back. I agree. Breathing is exactly the vibe I got. You know what it reminds me of? It sounds like a mansion track from the original Resident Evil, not the director's cut. Not, <laughs> but it, doesn't it? Doesn't that remind you of that? Like that breathing kind of like you're just walking around these empty yeah. hallways and like, oh god, a zombie. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't have thought of that unless you said it. But now that you say it, like you're totally right. Yeah, it's it's, strange. it's definitely got a really unique sound to it. That not unique in the all the world of music, but unique in that I wouldn't have expected to hear it in that kind of game because I've I've never played Septeracore, but I watched a bunch of footage of it before we did this just so I'd have some basis for like what kind of game it was. And it's a weird <laughs> game. It's just kind of I don't know. There's nothing else like it. And like I I had some big problems with it. It got really repetitive and just kind of tedious. But like it's certainly unique. I'll give it that. Yeah, and so. I guess the whole thing, the whole presentation has that sort of very different vibe. Yeah, it does. So, as for uh, Whitenden by the freaking Nine Inch Nails guy, I, I got like a, I don't know, Victorian's probably not the right word to use, but like the piano gives it a very like particular, like you're in like some kind of classy mansion and you're trying to figure out who murdered somebody and you're picking up candlesticks and looking around. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of the weird. vibe I get. Mm, that's interesting. That's not really, I mean, I guess it's different because I've played the game, but. I find it very kind of melancholy. Um, and that where where it plays in the game, you're in a like a snowy, like almost medieval looking town. Oh, that that was in the demo. I've played that level or that so area. It's really um, I don't know. It just gives me a really unique feeling and kind of makes me yeah, like, makes me kind of wistful and sad. But yeah, it's it's definitely cool though. Like. All three of those tracks are from really, really unique games. And in the case of Septeracor and Anachronox, they're both really weird games. Like, Anachronox is a turn-based RPG, but it's it's totally designed by Ion Storm. So it has, like, the sensibilities of the people who made Deus Ex, but also, like, hey, we played Final Fantasy VII and really liked Materia. Yeah, it's so totally... It's pretty cool. So we're coming up to our last batch. These are all picks from the audience because you guys liked that last time, and we like it when you talk to us. And I want to reward you for inspiring such great conversation in the thread because there is a ton of conversation that 
I haven't gotten to yet because I just got back from vacation, but I want to weigh in because there's lots of cool stuff in there. But yeah, thank you guys so much for A, listening and B, talking about it because it's a lot of fun to have this conversation going because there are tracks that I never would have thought to pick and a lot of games that I wouldn't even have thought of. Like, I found a soundtrack to this game by HyperDuck Soundworks. It was their first game called IG or IG, EG. And so when you guys sent me a track from it, I was like, this is really cool. And then I found a ton that were really cool. And I was like, holy crap, this is by the HyperDucks. And they were like, yeah, it's not that great. And I'm like, no, it's totally awesome. Yeah, so pretty cool. But anyways, so I have three tracks coming up from... Well, all right, one of these tracks is from me. And that's because it's going to lead into our final track of the day, which is an audience pick. So, but the first one is from Unsmashable Pumpkin, which, greatest name ever, Unmashable Potato. And this is Moongazer from To the Moon by Khan Gao, who we love very much because he did our theme music. And he made an awesome game and is making another one right now. Well... We don't know it'll be awesome, but it probably will be. It will be. And then we have from Might and Magic 8, Day of the Destroyer, which is a game I have not played. We have Ravenshore, Plane of Air, which I can't tell you where it takes place. Ravenshore sounds like a town, but I could be way off. But this is by Rob King, and that was recommended by Al Hizzy. Al Hizzy. And then... In the Hizzy. And then the last track is one that I picked. And I picked it. I originally had like 10 tracks from this game. And then as I gouged hunks of my flesh out, I took them off the playlist because I realized you didn't want to hear 15 tracks from King's Quest. However, as you found out by now, this isn't just RPG themes. This is everything RPG fan covers, including adventure games. But this is Princess Cosima's theme from King's Quest VI, which it was in King's Quest V because Princess Cosima shows up in the end of that game. And that's how she meets the main character of King's Quest VI, and he all falls in love with her and et cetera, et cetera. So the original version of the track was written by Mark Sabert, who did a lot of the music for earlier King's Quest games, I believe. And then the King's Quest VI version was arranged by Chris Brayman. And this version is not the version you'd hear in the game because the game used MIDI, so it sounded different on everyone's hardware. But eventually, Brayman released all of the King's Quest VI music in several different versions on his website. And this is like basically the high-fidelity version done with like modern instrumentation. But it's the same composition, so... You'll definitely recognize it, and it, it's very important that you hear this track because it's going to be key for when you listen to the last track we're going to play. So coming up, we have Moongazer from To the Moon, we have Ravenshore, Plane of Air from Might and Magic 8, and then we have Princess Cosima's theme from King's Quest VI.
don't think there's a track on the To the Moon soundtrack that I dislike. Correct. It's it's all so great and it's so it's so emotional. And this is what Steven said while we were listening. But he says that uh, you know what? Why don't you say it? Say it. It's emotional without being overly sentimental. Like the game veers into sentimentality when it's appropriate, but not not to the point where you're like rolling your eyes. Like it's just a very heartfelt game, and the soundtrack reflects that. That's what happens when you have the same person creating the game that's doing the mu- doing every aspect of it. Like, he understands the the tone of that game completely. Exactly. And Kangao, aside from being awesome because he did our theme music, because he is, like, I just, that soundtrack is just, if you love the piano, you should probably have that soundtrack and that game. So many great melodies in that soundtrack. And there's, actually, it was pretty close to the third track we heard, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, it, and so, good call on Smashable Pumpkin. You gave us a slot to include an awesome game, and that's what we did. And then, so, I thought the Might and Magic track was interesting. I've played a few of the Might and Magic games. I haven't played um, Day of the Destroyer, but I thought, this, I thought this was really cool. I actually wrote in my comments as we were listening, I wrote, it's airy, and then I put in parentheses, duh, because it's plain of air. But when you start, when, like, as it goes on, it, it builds up, and you get this sort of dystopian sounding, like, percussion going. It's really cool. Yeah, interesting shift for that. I actually thought, when I was listening to it, that I was getting feedback from your mic, and there was, like, another song playing in the background, because I was like, okay, there's some kind of whimsical thing happening there, but I'm trying to listen to this song right now. So yeah, it was, it's actually an interesting layer there. Yeah, so unfortunately I can't comment further on it because I haven't played the game, but I definitely like that track. So good call, Al Hizzy. Al Hizzy. Al Hizzy. Al Hizzy. The Hizzy. Hizzy in the Hizzy. You have the character from Sweet in 3 on your portrait, so I, I know who you are. Hizzy, Hizzy. Does he, what, Chris? Uh, the girl with the armor. It's yeah, Chris, right? Chris, that's my girl. I believe yeah. every time like I see a picture of Chris, I just immediately say, oh, Chris, that's my girl. Like, is she your girl? She's my girl. I love Chris. So are you trying to say Al Hizzy is your girl? He could very well, he or she could very well be my girl. Well, whoever he or she is, he or she has a cool portrait and picked a cool song, so thank you. And then I picked Princess Kasima because I told Derek, if you want to understand who I am as a human being, play King's Quest V and VI. They are the earliest games I played were Sonic the Hedgehog. I played it with my dad and my uncle. I played Sonic, I played some Genesis games, but the first strong memories I have of my, playing games by myself were playing King's Quest 6 and I'd pick up my dad had a notepad where he would play the game and he had gotten to the Isle of Wonder which is shortly into the game and right when you get to this island these five gnomes walk out and they've basically been told that there's an evil intruder coming to their island and they think it's you which you're not evil but the person who reported it sees you that way so they come out and each one of them represents one of the five senses so you have to show them items that will distract them from thinking you're a human so like you show the guy with giant hands you give him a rabbit's foot and he's like oh it's a money and you know you give the, the giant guy with the giant tongue you give him a mint and he's like oh it's a mint and i remember my dad's notes didn't have the answer to that puzzle so i got to that part of the game after what felt like years because i was like how the hell do i get the magic map to travel around the islands and i don't want the story to go on too long but basically when i became hooked in that series as i sat there for like it felt like weeks i was i was a super little kid so it was probably like a day figuring out trying every item trying to solve this puzzle of which items to give to the five gnomes and i figured it out and wrote them into my dad's notepad and my dad came in one day and he's like i couldn't figure that out you figured it out and i was like yes i'm a genius that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so, and then it just, from there, I adore King's Quest Six. It is probably, like, if I have to stop and think about it, it's probably my favorite game ever. I've beaten it hundreds of times, literally. Like, I'll go, I, I beat it at least twice a year. I have it on my tablet now, and I'll be bored, and I'll, I'll bust it out. I know it so well that there's a puzzle where you need the manual of the game because there's, a, like, this syllabary in there to tell, explain how these letters work to you. I know it so well that I know that those puzzle solutions by heart. Wow. And, like, I, I mean, I know every line of dialogue, and I, like, I'll play the game and just click on everything just to hear the narrator because 
it was one of the first games to have celebrity voice acting, too. It had Robbie Benson, the guy who played the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, playing the main character. But I don't want to talk about the game too much. Well, I do, but I don't want to get us off track. So, yeah, that's Princess Cosima is basically, she's the MacGuffin of the game. She's, you meet her in King's Quest V when you're playing as King Graham, the main character of the series in most of the games. And basically he rescues her from this evil wizard along with his family. And that's when his son, Prince Alexander, meets Cosima and he falls in love with her. King's Quest VI is Alexander trying to find her on this island at the edge of the world, basically, this 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 archipelago of islands. And so this is her theme song. And it's just, to this day, I get like, not misty-eyed, but I literally, I just get punched in the nostalgic guts by that song because it just reminds me so much of the game. What did you think of it, Derek? I, it's, we make a really interesting duo in this case because, in contrast, I know so little about these games it's ridiculous. Like, I know they are adventure games. That is literally all I know about King's Quest. They're one of those series that just completely eluded me throughout my entire life, and I have never talked to anybody that has ever played them. It's it, it's harder and harder to find people that have played it, and I know there are people who like LucasArts Adventures better, but I think because I played these first, this is why, to this day, I just I, I don't really dig the LucasArts games. I like Grim Fandango a lot, because Grim Fandango's awesome. But And Bob is wrong. Bob doesn't like King's Quest, but shut up, Bob. I still love, love you, Bob. Bob. We love Bubu, but he's wrong about King's Quest. And yeah, it's, you know, I don't want to belabor it. So our final track is an audience pick, which I strategically picked. So essentially I got to pick two because I would have picked this track anyway. So I cheated. I'm sorry, Derek. But you're the worst. How could you, etc. Right. So this is by Ultra 7K and he picked Girl in the Tower from King's Quest 6. And I picked the MP3 version. And this is the ballad that was written for King's Quest 6 based on Princess Kasthema's theme, which is why I find it interesting because it uses the melody from a track that came out two games before. For it. And then Mark Sabert and Roberta Williams wrote the lyrics, and it, there's, it's a duet. And I don't even ironically like this song. I just like it. And it's super duper mega ultra giga cheesy. And there was this thing in the manual that was like, when the game came out, it was like, we can't actually play the song the way it's supposed to be on your computer. It's a MIDI. So call your local radio stations. We sent it there, and it was totally unsuccessful because they were like, get your radio stations to play it. But interesting piece of history. But anyways, cool, yeah. our, our track, our closing track before Kyle's audience pick, which Kyle had to go. He, uh, he's off fighting Megatron. Is Girl in the Tower, King's Quest VI. You seem so far away And I just need to hear your voice I just need to hear you say If you would have me go
Oh my god. Are you kidding me with that? Like, Phil Collins-Dolly Parton duet? It's like Elton John got together with Phil Collins and every romantic comedy of the 1980s and 90s got together to write the Omega Ballad to end all of human society. That, and it was that, that song. That was something. I, I, like I told you, I don't ironically like that song. I just like that song. No, it's okay. It uh, It's nothing like it in terms of the vocals, but at the time me of the uh, the opening theme to Wild Arms Four because of how unbelievably cheesy it is, but I still like it. Yeah, no, it, that's absolutely the case. As it's you know, as a kid, I was just like, wow, this is like real music. And you know, it, if you had the CD version of the game, I'm pretty sure it would play in the credits. Um, I can't remember it. It's been so long since I played the non-CD version of the game, but yeah, that's here's like here's a super embarrassing anecdote that's going to explain something about me. Probably like I can understand exactly what you mean about saying, oh my god, it's real music because when we were kids, everything was. MIDI, you know, 16-bit, 8-bit, and eventually 32-bit and on-bit. So, like, there was so little that we could compare it to in mainstream music so that when we got something like this, it was like, holy crap! So one of the things I used to do, embarrassingly, is I had this friend that, like... So my parents used to listen to a lot of country and Celine Dion, especially, and there was a Celine Dion cassette my mom always used to play. I don't even know the song, but it has this backbeat. It's just like a generic beat that's like... And my friend and I convinced ourselves that the Denton was like the attack sound from Final Fantasy 4, 2 at the time, where like every time they hit, they like, they swing their little weapon twice. They go like, ching, ching. <laughs> so we were convinced, we were like, oh my God, it's the Final Fantasy battle song. They just loved it so, so much, they had to put it in their song. So we would always like, we'd, we'd like gesticulate with our hands. We'd go like, a ding, ding, a ding, ding. Like, oh my God, <laughs> it's so cool. It, Oh my god, how horribly embarrassing. But yeah, horribly so awesome. I know what you mean about it being quote unquote real music and getting excited about it, but Jesus God, that was so ridiculous. That's like, you, all you need is hedonism, but yes, I too have known unconditional love. Uh, non traditional. I messed up my quote. Ah, screw it. That's the end of the show. We Well, it's, it's sort not. of the end. It's not. We have a it's couple of upcoming our releases, music. right? Yeah, we, yes. we talked about Western music. I'm glad we did. It's not all bad. We it's didn't not. like every song we played, but it was. I still feel like it's important to point out that there is good music in Western games. Right, and I think there was a lot. I, I'd like to think that we picked some, some games and some music that some people haven't heard of, so hopefully you enjoyed the little history lesson and were able to appreciate that there are melodic themes in Western games. And in the future, we may want to do another one of these if we come up with a, a good batch but right we definitely wanted to spread the love i mean i know that we like what we like but it's always it's you'd never learn anything if you didn't go outside of your comfort zone so there it is there it I is just wanted to play girl. i just wanted an excuse to play girl in the tower so i'm sure you did so and i can't do a whole king's quest episode because you guys yelled at me for we fantasy could, star we could do a phil collins episode we should do a phil collins episode we should never do it just collins. play the tarzan soundtrack oh, all together oh no! the tarzan soundtrack is awesome and i remember the nickelodeon commercial for it was like Stop. it was a, 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 like a young guy and a girl and they were like tarzan and it's like, yeah, some girl in this. And the girl's like, did you say a girl's name? And the guy goes, did you say Phil Collins? I'm like, as if any young man in the 90s in elementary school ever said, dude, Phil Collins, right? Right? Phil Collins. Speaking of Nickelodeon. Uh, Granted, I actually like kind of like This Phil is totally Collins. off topic. It's going to go on for like 30 seconds. But do you remember when Nickelodeon needed the, the big help where they were cleaning up? Yeah. Uh, they would go around filming people like building parks and crap. So I was convinced as a kid that the big help built this park near my house because <laughs> it was all like it was it was built while I was growing up. So it had like the, the wood shavings in the play area instead of sand and everything was like very contemporary for the 90s. So I was mm-hmm. like convinced and I always told all my friends, I was like, 
Oh, yeah, this park. Nickelodeon built it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Nickelodeon built this. Anyway, the house that Nickelodeon built. Uh, let's talk about some upcoming releases. Uh, we're recording this in the middle of August, so some of these are going to have been out by the time we release this episode. Hopefully, it should only take us a couple of days to get it out. But fair amount of pretty cool albums coming out in August. So today is the 14th as of our recording, so these ones have already come out. There's the uh, Final Fantasy V OST remaster. This is... Uh, they're, they're remastering 4, 5, and 6, and these are actually not exactly what you would expect them to be. They're just kind of... Uh... They're, like the the they sound almost identical. They're just they're, higher fidelity. Yeah, they're cleaner and they're looped. Right, they're cleaner. So uh, they're not as exciting as I expected them to be. But the Final Fantasy V one comes out, or rather, came out this month. I think six comes out in the next month or so. Uh, August tenth uh, was the release of Falcom Fields on my. I absolutely love the Zonmai albums. And over the last month, Patrick Gann reviewed all four of the ones that are out. I don't remember. Sora no Kiseki's on my. Hoshino Arika's on my. East on my. What else? Boss is on my. Boss on my. Yeah. So this is the latest in the Falcom's on my series it's a bunch of field themes and from the samples we've heard they are Quatera woods yes i love Quatera woods we just played that we did so uh look forward to that and we'll have a review of that in the coming days on august 14th today the before meteor final fantasy 14 original soundtrack blu-ray what, what? was released so that is all of the music from final fantasy 14 version 1.0 and they released it on a blu-ray because it's like over 100 tracks um also because they wanted to make it more expensive probably but it comes with a cool little Dalamud Moon Minion, so I want that. And if you if you have a Blu-ray drive in your computer, you can extract MP3 versions of the files. Yeah. So if you really want the soundtrack, you can get it uh, for version one. Some of the it's it's almost all available on iTunes. Yeah, or at least there I, are those albums you reviewed, like the yeah, battle tracks. Exactly. And, I reviewed the um, Aorzean Frontiers iTunes album. It was an iTunes exclusive release and all of that is on before Meteor and the only extra stuff is kind of like piddly anyway. So, But it would be cool to have it all in one collection. So that's out. August 19th will be the release of the Hate Plus OST. You may remember the graphic adventure Love Plus that was released, I don't know if it was the year before last, by Christine Love. Patrick Gann really, really enjoyed that game and the OST, so the soundtrack for that sequel will be out shortly. On August 21st, the Persona 3 and 4 Club Arrange album is coming out. That's one that we're pretty interested in as gigantic Persona fans. This It's not dubstepy stuff, so I like it. I love electronic music. I just don't love dubstepy kind of stuff. So this is uh, these are a bunch of tracks from Persona 3 and 4 remixed by a bunch of pretty notable Japanese musicians and it sounds pretty cool. Samples are up yes. on YouTube. It'll be out on the 21st. The day we'll have it. That, yeah, we, we're, we're going to get it. Don't worry about it. We shall review and present it for your pleasure. Following that, the Conception 2 OST comes out on August 22nd. If you're unaware of Conception, that is the first game that was titled Conception. Please have my baby. Uh, so uh, you can we conceive that that soundtrack will be out on the 22nd. That didn't even make sense. I just wanted to go with Conceive. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's a soundtrack. That's fine. And on the same day, the Dungeons & Dragons Chronicles of Nastara OST, quote-unquote, reborn comes out. Steven reviewed the game and I don't remember, what did you think about the music of that? Um, it's actually, it was pretty cool actually, like, it, it's old arcade music, but I thought, you know, it, it was neat and kind of cheesy in some places, but if a lot of people really love that game and I could see it being a cool collector's piece and I'll be interested in at least hearing it, because when it says Reborn is that, I, I'm wondering if it's going to be Arrangements, because that would be pretty that's, cool actually. That's what I think when I see Reborn, so. So, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be reviewing it, so. We'll check it out, and finally, on August 27th, which is the launch of Final Fantasy 
Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn. It's a day. Which is when you will no longer hear us anymore. Yeah, well, shows canceled as of then, so just forget about it. Yep. No, we're, we're ridiculously excited about this game. So the 27th is the release of the game, and in the collector's edition, there is going to be an official soundtrack pack-in. I'm not sure what's going to be on that. I'm pretty sure they're all going to be tracks from version 2, or from Realm Reborn, which is exciting because from what we've heard, that music is amazing. Like, you, like soundtrack of the year contender for sure so uh we will I'm, along with uh of story yes <laughs> so i am getting collector's edition anyway. i don't know who else is uh, on staff but i am at least so at the very least uh, i'll review it if nobody else will and that's it that's all it's coming out in august august is cool though you know august is a cool month i was born this month two days ago 26 years ago in fact happy belated birthday derek so as always this is the end of our show well as always there's always an end that didn't make any sense whatever so kyle had to go but he left us with his guest pick but as always thank you guys for listening hit up the forums send us ideas for topics there's a topic on vgmdb there's a topic on rpg fan leave us itunes reviews tell your friends you know just talk about it the more you talk the more people we need some groundswell we do absolutely we always want to make the show better so if you have any suggestions for something that's like niggling at you that's bothering you we're always open to criticism so please do all of those things and yeah so Kyle's track that he picked is CD Projekt Red is awesome and they've been releasing tracks and like different artwork and stuff from The Witcher 3 at sort of a drip feed to keep people like Kyle and me from you know totally exploding with anticipation and they've released two tracks from The Witcher 3 so we're actually closing the episode with The Witcher as well so Kyle picked from The Witcher 3 The Wild Hunt the beginning main theme and it's really awesome I've heard it I've heard it before I don't remember it that well which is why I'm totally gonna listen to it right now so for me for Kyle often Prime, Off Fighting Megatron, and for Derek, thank you guys for listening, and taking us out is The Witcher 3 main theme.
Are you sure you pressed the right button? I do not make mistakes of that kind. Your hand might have slipped. No, I wanted orange. It gave me lemon-lime. The machine would not make a mistake. It's the maintenance man. He knows I like orange. So you think the staff has some kind of plot? Yes, they do that on purpose. <laughs>